everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Indel Show. Happy Monday, boys. Happy Monday. We're here. We're here. Another Monday. Uh, and our, it's our goal to make your Monday a little better. Not great, just better. Just <laughs> marginally better. We change it again. Marginally better. We, yeah. <laughs> we want your Monday to be a, a half decent. You know, Mondays are hard. So uh, yeah. that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, just to just bring it up from a four to a five. Um, but uh, no, happy Monday. We hope you had a great weekend. And um, how was your guys' weekends? Good weekends? Awesome. Yeah. We talked about really dating and sex in church. Okay. I thought yeah. you were just, oh, uh, I didn't know you were Jumping, oh, right? we're not, we're not, we're not there yet. <laughs> he just really wants to talk. So he just my... wants to talk about <laughs> dating and sex in church. Okay, so what was uh, your big takeaway? Careful. Uh, well, you just went over. So- <laughs> Did you say careful? Yeah. Well, we're, this is a young adult podcast, and a lot of you people have to be are... careful where you put the comma in that title too. Dating yeah. and sex in church. <laughs> yes. Or, like, we're talking about dating go there, and Chris. sex. That is in church. Uh, he just went over a lot of like. Pr- I mean, I'm a single guy, but he went over a lot of like practical tips and spiritual tips and for for dating what was a tip what was a practical (laughs) okay the the, the really funny one was (laughs) (laughs) no not on the on the dating part on the dating part. oh the dating part Uh, it was so funny because he said he talked about having a curfew like a set time to end your date okay and then i just it it brought to mind uh a a couple friends that i had and their their curfew was i think eight or nine p.m and i thought that was really funny why is that funny? Because yours is like one in the morning. Whee! Well, no, I just, it just, it just, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Maybe I'm the odd one out. I just, it was just funny to me. I don't know. Maybe God needs to convict you on your uh, dating. Am I times. the odd one out here? Oh yeah. dear, I'm so sorry. Yeah, mine was six p.m. Man, what are you doing, you freak? <laughs> What's the difference between six and seven p.m.? A <laughs> lot. Nothing good happens yeah. after six p.m., oh, folks. Oh uh, yeah, a lot. As a young adult, <laughs> a single young adult. All right, um, <laughs> but uh, that's a that's an interesting topic. We did not talk about that, but that's uh, that's pretty good. What did you talk? What did Her you talk Chris about? Chris is still uh, in uh, First John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I feel bad because they like up and changed the no, series. What? On this. Yeah. Uh, like, what? You can't do that in a verse by verse church. <laughs> know, what? Right? Was it was it getting too heated? I'm leaving. <laughs> well, no, there. They're pushing a uh, a capital campaign for building okay. a, building okay. a new church building. Yeah. Okay. So now they're doing like a little series on the church. Okay. And okay. yeah, it's relevant. Putting John on pause. Yeah. So you could say John. it's a topical series, perhaps. Yeah, oh no! I can't deny it. Two down, no, one kidding. to go. I'm the yeah. last. Yeah. I'm the you last man standing. Man. All right. <laughs> You're the last expositional guy. I'm the last expositional guy. This is terrible. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's not terrible. <laughs> Topical's not bad. It's just wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, uh, we're still in Second Corinthians, and uh, but uh, we talked about giving. I remember you talked about giving at your church we like did, a yeah. few months ago, yep. and uh, that's always a hard, a hard one. Shouldn't be, but it, it shouldn't is. be. Yeah. But for some reason, it is. Churches don't like talking about it. They just feel bad. People, guests coming, and they're yeah. talking about taking your money. But we're going through Second Corinthians, and Paul brings it up in Second Corinthians to the church of Corinth, and he's, you know, telling them about another church and how we need they need to follow the example, the church of Macedonia. Anyway, so it was a really good, really good message. But something that just really stuck out to me. I know this is like common knowledge in the Christian faith that Jesus, you know, humbled himself. He became poor. He was rich, and he became poor. Uh, and humbled himself as a human came to earth. Uh, but when he kind of explained it, the pastor just said like something in passing in his, you know, in his uh, message, just saying, you know, Jesus came in a borrowed cradle and he preached on a borrowed boat and used a borrowed pulpit when he taught and um, rode on a borrowed donkey into the city. And when he died, he was buried in a borrowed grave. And hmm. so it's like he was this homeless stranger 
that became the poorest. Yet at the same time, he created all the things around him. Mm. And it was just like, wow, like how good is God? Um, and just an example of us to just lay our lives down and to mm-hmm. humble ourselves. Um, and so he, he, he just mentioned that in passing. And I just thought, wow, how beautiful Jesus is that he would mm. um, become a man and what that means for us. And so, so it was those nice passing comments that isn't like yeah, a main just, point. It yeah, wasn't a like, main oh, point, actually, but I was really just good. like, I'm like writing it down. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. can you slow down your transitions, man? Your transitions are gold. Um, but uh, no, it was such a great message. But we talked about the importance of giving, giving sacrificially, not only financially, but of our time and of our gifting. Um, but that giving financially is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a blessing to give. I remember my, my dad always told me, it's like, you know, when people complain, like I can barely live on 100% of my income. How do you suggest that I live on 90 and give 10 when already 100% is challenging? Mm. And he always says, but you have 90 plus God's blessings, uh, which is way more than 100%. Mm. And I know for my wife and I, when we decided, okay, we're going to commit, just a little testimony, uh, we're going to commit to just being very faithful and just being as generous as we possibly can all the time. Mm-hmm. Um you just can't outgive God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just yeah. always blesses you more. And it's not like we give so that we can be financially rewarded. No. But we've never had need ever mm. when we gave sacrificially. Mm. And it's almost like sometimes we have need when we're greedy and we hold tight to our money. Mm. And he was reminding us uh, this sermon. He just said, you know, change your mindset to, you know, how much am I going to give of my money? Uh, to donations and tithing and whatever. And it's like, well, it's not our money. It's like, mm. how much of God's money am I going to give him back? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing we have is ours. And so it was such a great message, a good reminder, especially with inflation, with hardship, and everything is just so expensive, it's so hard. Um, don't be stingy with God. Mm. Uh, make sure that you are extra generous, even in inflation and hardship financially. Just watch what he does. Not only financially, but just watch what he does, how he blesses your life, because... That is, uh, it's biblical and it's beautiful. So that's good, man. Uh, yeah, we talked about that, Chris. What is so your your building campaign? Yep. And is that like in the city, like a sep- a new building, a new location? Do you have like? Yeah, it's like right in the back. Oh wow. Lot, okay. Same property. <laughs> yeah. Same property. I mean, it's hard to find property, property these days. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty massive property. Um, that's pretty awesome. It's gonna be pretty huge. It's like it goes to a m- 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 mega church. Yeah. May 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 mega church. That's funny. Um, that's awesome. Praise God for that. Well, we have a great show for us today. We have Dr. Rami Nader. He's all the way in North Vancouver. He is a registered psychologist and, um, cognitive behavioral therapist. Now I visited a cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapist when I was going through clinical burnout, uh, last year. And, um, it was a life change for me. It was a game changer. And so uh, I'm excited to just spend some time with him. We're going to talk about anxiety, depression, panic attacks, all that kind of stuff, because we know that we see that climbing, especially after the pandemic and all that we've been through in the last three years. And so I think this is very helpful. It's going to be very practical. He's going to give us some good information that I know is going to help us. And so I think we should just, I think we should just dive in. I think so. Enough of the riffraff. Enough of the riffraff. And by riffraff, I mean... Okay. Johnny. Oh yeah, I hate yeah. that guy. I hate him too. Oh no, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. kidding. We love God calls us to love. Amen. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna stop because I feel like I won't stop. So maybe just Mateo, just just all right, ca- folks, just get, get to the interview. <laughs> all right, well, we have Dr. Rami Nader with us uh, all the way in uh, North Vancouver. How are you doing today, man? 
I'm great. Thank you. I am so blessed to have you. Um, I've watched uh, many of your YouTube. Uh, you have a bunch of YouTube um, videos, kind of short videos, just talking about informational. Obviously, it's not a substitute to seeing a professional, but uh, it's just kind of informational. And that has helped me immensely uh, when I was going through uh, a clinical burnout uh, last year. Um, I was having, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, all these things that I've never had before. And talking to a friend of mine who who knows you and he just recommended, so he sent me a video links and I got to just watch these video links about what is anxiety and how does it happen? What is panic attack? And what, what are they? And how do they happen? And so it was so resourceful to me because I think a, a big part of going through these journeys is just understanding. Like, you know, I, I finally understood yeah. the saying, like, knowledge is power. Like when you just understand the root of what's going on, um, it just gave me a whole perspective and almost a sense of I can overcome this now that I can identify what it is. And so, yeah. I did, of course, I did a bunch of counseling as well with a cognitive behavioral therapist. Um, but at least I could bring him, you know, at first I'd come to him and say, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't understand. This is crazy. And then I watched all your videos and I said, hey, I know what's going on. This, that. And then he's like, wow, like how did you? I'm like, I, I know a guy. <laughs> well, I didn't know you. <laughs> now I know a guy because I get to see you. So I just want to personally thank you. Um, for all that you do, you're uh, you're such a blessing. But tell us a little bit about uh, your life, um, your journey, your story of, and what you're doing today. Yeah, so uh, I've I've been in uh, psychology and been working as a psychologist since 2000. I think it's 2006 or no 2005. I've been working as a psychologist. Um, yeah, I, I did all my graduate training and undergraduate training all at UBC. So awesome. 13 years and four degrees later, I wow. uh, I came out of graduate school and was like, okay, well, what am I gonna what am I gonna do? And so I went straight into private practice, and have been in in private practice uh, ever since. And you know, over the years, my my practice has evolved a bit. So I'm doing more um, sort of assessments for like medical legal purposes now, but. Um, you know, the the thing that the, the pointed out with the YouTube channel, that was something that I started during the pandemic. And and that's really grown. And I, I'm actually very, very proud of that because it, it is, it's reaching out to to you know hundreds of thousands of people around the world and like you know, millions of views on these videos. And as you pointed out, with with the type of therapy I do, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, the key is to understand um, and sort of developing a new understanding of the difficulties because for a lot of people with anxiety and depression, they don't really get it. They don't really understand what's going on. And so if you can give them a model to understand and then give them tools uh, based on that model to, that they can do and they can use to make changes, that's so powerful. And so I, I've just found that with the YouTube, I can get that knowledge out there and then people can start incorporating that knowledge to the best of their abilities and so uh, that's been that's been a real blessing, and I've really enjoyed uh, doing that. And that's just something I continue to do now. That's amazing, man. I know they've they've been so resourceful to me, as I mentioned. Um, do you did you notice a big? You know, obviously the pandemic has done a lot to us emotionally and mentally. Have you seen a spike in your line of work after the last couple of years? Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, all of the psychologists I know are completely full. Yeah, and it's 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 really difficult to get in to see somebody. The wait lists are very long. Um, 
and it, it was kind of predictable, like with the what happened with during the pandemic with the shutdowns, and you know, we we know that human beings are do not do well in social isolation, and uh, we we have a, a need for connection with others. At least the vast majority of people have a need for connection with others, and so you know the 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 health needs were as they were, and and that happened, but you just knew there was going to be a tsunami of mental health difficulties that stem from it, not only just the stress of the pandemic, but then the stress and the consequences of what we had to do to protect society during that time. And so it's still, it's still going on now. And it's, it is, there's a lot of people who are, who are struggling uh, post pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I see it a lot. I was actually talking to a friend this morning on the drive in to the studio and he's on the other side of the country. And uh, I was kind of just sharing my story. I, I haven't talked to him in a long time. And he said, man, I can't count how many pastors I've been on the phone with where they'll preach on a Sunday morning and they're in the fetal position weeping right after their message. Like they're just, there's just pastors dropping like flies. And 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 it's just a real thing. And it's not just pastors. It's just people are really struggling. Um, and I yeah. think what you said is huge giving them resources and a knowledge of why this is happening, what happens in the brain, in the body. Um, maybe we can even walk through some of those models to even help some of our listeners, give them a little bit of a window of some of your YouTube videos. But yeah, um, I'd love to walk through a few of them because I know they've been helpful to me, so I'm sure they're going to be helpful to um, people who are watching this and we'll also point them to your resources. But um, for example... Let's, I want to walk through anxiety and panic attacks, for example. That's, that's stuff that I never felt before. And then all of a sudden it was becoming an everyday thing for me. Um, I think it was in one of your videos, I think it was panic attacks where you gave the analogy of going through a trail and, you know, you see a beware of, you know, bear sign. You hear crackling in the woods or something. Maybe walk through that, um, some of the information of why panic attack, what they are and, and how they happen. And why they happen? Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, we'll start with anxiety. So so anxiety, and then sort of panic yeah. attacks. So a lot of people think anxiety is a bad thing, and that we should never feel anxious. But anxiety is actually really important. It's actually really adaptive for people to experience anxiety because anxiety is kind of like the smoke detector in your home. It's it's there to alert you when there's danger uh, and threat. And so if I'm walking down a path and a bear jumps out at me, my body's going to kick into this anxiety response to either fight the bear or to run away from it. And so there's all sorts of physiological reactions and responses that happen when I'm encountering actual physical threat and danger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the the obvious things, like my heart's going to start racing. So why does my heart race? Well, my heart races in order to pump the blood more quickly through my body my breathing is going to increase. And why is my breathing increasing? My breathing is going to increase so I can get more oxygen into the blood that's going to the muscles that's going to be burning that oxygen for energy. It's going to create carbon dioxide and I need to breathe that carbon dioxide out. I'm going to experience muscle tension. Why am I experiencing muscle tension? Because I'm preparing. My muscles are preparing to either fight the bear or to run away from it. I'm going to experience other things. Like sometimes people experience like blurred vision or almost feelings of unreality. Well, the blurred vision results from the pupils dilating. 
and the pupils are dilating to get in, to let in more light, to let in more visual information that you can use to help get you out of a dangerous situation. But that, that opening up of the pupils lets more light in and it can create this sort of dreamlike or almost sort of hazy uh, vision. Um, but that's also that sort of that sense of dreaminess or unreality. That's also a, an effect of the hyperventilation because you're actually getting more oxygen into your body than you're used to. So you have all of these physical reactions and responses and all of them make perfect sense if you're face-to-face -face with a bear. Mm -hmm. They either, either have to fight the bear or you have to run away from it. Yeah. But when in panic and panic disorder and panic attacks, what ends up happening is it's almost like that smoke detector has become way too sensitive. And that smoke detector is going off every time you make toast. Mm. So uh, a person's alarm reaction, their anxiety system, it just becomes way too sensitive. And so in, those, in, in response to even minor sort of stressors, a person experiences this big physiological mm. response. And what can sometimes happen is that people will have some of these physical sensations and they'll then interpret those sensations in a catastrophic way. So I'll notice my heart's beating quickly. And then I say to myself, uh-oh, what's going on here? Uh-oh, am I having a heart attack? Am I having a stroke? Am I having a panic attack? Because sometimes people will, if they've had a panic attack, they worry about having future panic attacks. And so I have these uh-oh thoughts, these mm. thoughts that something bad is going to happen. Well, what does that do to my anxiety? Well, that just makes me even more anxious. So I'm either going to hurry up to get out of the situation that I'm in, or I'm going to tense up to prepare myself for whatever it is that's coming. And so what happens as I'm hurrying up or tensing up, that just increases the physical sensations. Mm -hmm. And so now my heart's beating even faster. Uh-oh, it really is a heart attack. This really is terrible. I'm tensing up even more. And then you enter what I call the fear of fear cycle. The fear and of so fear of fear. Is that sort of, what you said? Fear of fear? It's the fear of fear. Yeah, yeah. It's the fear of fear cycle. Yeah. So panic attacks are caused by a catastrophic misinterpretation of normal body sensations. Yes. And so... Yeah. Yeah. And so if you have, if you've had panic attacks, what ends up happening is there's sort of two things that tend to maintain the panic attacks. One is anxious apprehension. It's sort of this worry of when the next panic attack is going to happen. And so you're constantly experiencing this sense of anxiety and tension because you're worrying about when the next one's going to happen. And if you're experiencing more anxiety and tension just in general, you're going to have more of those physical sensations, mm -hmm. which you're then going to notice and you're going to enter that fear of fear cycle. Uh, the second thing that tends to happen with panic attacks and panic disorder is that people get really, really good at scanning their bodies <laughs> for any signs uh, of danger just, or threat. I'm getting a free counseling session right now. This is amazing because I'm like, man, you're just like, it's like you're reading my journal. Continue. <laughs> you know what? And this is really common. This is yeah, what happens. Wow. Um, so people get really, really good at scanning their body. And that's sort of the example I gave. If, if I'm about to go out for a walk and on the radio, I hear that uh, there's a bear in the neighborhood and they're warning people to be very cautious because that bear has attacked a number of people. So as I'm walking through the forest on my 
my walk, I'm going to be scanning the forest for any sign of that bear. So I'm going to be much more likely to hear that little rustling of leaves in the distance. And I'm probably going to interpret that it's the bear mm -hmm. when in fact it's probably just squirrels. Mm -hmm. Right. And so people with panic disorder get really, really good at scanning their body. And so they're much more likely to notice that they're sweating a little bit or that their respiration rate is a bit faster or their heart's beating a little bit more quickly. So it's essentially, it's essentially that you scan your body, yeah. you're more likely to notice. And because you're in this state, so the two things combined, I'm really good at scanning my body. I'm physiologically more tense and anxious because I'm worried about having the next panic attack. You put those two things together, I'm much more likely to enter that fear of fear cycle. I'm much more likely to have panic attacks. And it's all based on my misinterpretation of what these physical sensations actually mean. Yeah, and this has like been exactly word for word my uh, situation last year, where I yeah. began scanning very easily. You know, you have a spicy tuna roll, and all of a sudden I'm sweating. And then it was like this, I've had spicy tuna roll a million times. But the sensation of the sweating, um, now all of a sudden I'm panicked. And then I, I spiral very quickly into just like this crazy, you know, I just, it just spirals so quickly or I'm driving and I get lightheaded. Something happens with lightheadedness and all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, what was that? Then my heart starts racing. Oh no. What's, and then, and then it's just, it happens so fast. But for me, it was always triggered with lightheadedness or if I'm nauseous, my stomach, um, it was always a physical sensation and uh oh, what's going on? and then the quick spiral down to a panic attack, which I've never had before. Yeah. And the trap that will happen for people is that they'll try to have to figure out why they're feeling this way, hmm. right? So you mentioned the spicy tuna roll. Um, our bodies are constantly in, in a state of homeostasis. They're constantly adjusting based on environmental factors. Mm -hmm. So if I walk in from outside where it's really hot into an air-conditioned room, there's going to be changes in respiration rate. There's going to be changes in heart rate and blood pressure and all of those things. I can't possibly be consciously aware of every single factor mm. that might be changing my physiological state. Mm. And so if you have to be able to explain every single physical sensation you're noticing, you're not going to be able to do it because you can't possibly be aware of all of the variables that are happening that yeah. may be contributing to those physical reactions. So the key point isn't that you have to know why you're having the physical sensations. The key point is the physical sensations aren't dangerous. Mm -hmm. They're normal. They're adaptive. It's just that your smoke detector is too sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. And I feel like once I understood that, uh, that was a game changer for me. So I'd be driving yeah. and I feel a little nauseous or whatever in my heart. And I'm just like, you know what? It's okay. Like there's no bear. And then I was able to kind of walk myself out of them. I think a big one for me um, was a feeling of trapped. Like if you're trapped, and I, and I think it was like, say I'm stuck in traffic. And my thought is like, oh no, what if I had a panic attack when I'm in traffic and there's no escape? Yeah, yeah. that's that's really common. Yeah. So being stuck in traffic, uh, stuck in line at like a supermarket, mm. uh, going to a restaurant and you're stuck waiting for the bill, mm. um, being in sort of crowded spaces, uh, public transit, any place where you can't escape easily yeah. 
if you were to start experiencing a panic attack. And so, so uh, I guess I'm going to be asking a question and getting some free counseling right now, but um, I have to do a flight and I haven't flown. I used to fly all the time. I love travel. I love flying. I haven't flown since pre-pandemic. And so now I have to do a flight in a couple of weeks and I'm like, oh no, now I'm going to be trapped 30,000 feet in the air for a long period of time. That's like really making me yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. So uh, the thing is to think through, okay, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. Okay. So you have the mother of all panic attacks on the flight. Mm -hmm. Okay. How, how bad is that really? So we, we call this catastrophizing, right? Where mm. you essentially in your mind, it makes a, a mountain out of a molehill. So we want to ask yourself is, okay, well, what is it that I'm afraid is going to happen? Have the mother of all panic attacks, the worst feeling ever. Yeah. Uh, I start to freak out. People notice I'm really embarrassed. Okay. How bad is that really? Are you ever going to see any of those people again? I hope not. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm uncomfortable, but you know, so what is, is it a hassle or is it a horror, hmm. right? Is this life altering five years from now? Is it going to be really that big of a deal that I had this, you know, hour long panic attack on this flight? Probably not. Right. And so, yes, it would be uncomfortable, but it's not the catastrophe I'm making it out to be mm -hmm. in my head. Mm -hmm. So it's really about challenging what are the implications of worst case scenario happening if this were to happen? And then if you're on the plane and you feel the panic-like sensations, come on, it's the same ideas when you said, you know, you're walking yourself through it when you're in your car. It's like, okay, well, I know what this is. There is no bear. Uh, I, I anticipated that this was going to happen because I'm in a situation where I'm stuck. So of course these physical sensations are gonna come on because that's just my anxiety. And so I just need to sit with this and ride it out. It's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, it may just go away on its own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember my wife even telling me that too. It's like, okay, so you're stuck in traffic uh, and one happens. What's the, what's the absolute worst? You pull over and you are breathing hard and you're sweating and you feel like you're... I mean, when it was first happening with me, it honestly felt like I was dying. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like it was very scary. Yeah. And then you become aware, okay, I know what this is. I'm not dying. Um, I just need to breathe this out um, and just let it ride and be okay yeah. to be in the uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, with, with panic, there's sort of the, the two sort of big fears, right? There's the, the catastrophizing type of fears. And those tend to be more kind of social fears. Like I'm on a plane and I'm ha I have a big freak out and everybody notices and I'm really embarrassed, mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. And so, you know, essentially decatastrophizing that, uh, making it less of a mountain and more of a molehill. The other type of fear is uh, sort of what, what if it were to actually be catastrophic? Right. So what if I actually am having a heart attack? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the fears that people will have. And so for that, you can't really use the same approach as yeah. the catastrophizing because you, you have asked the person, okay, well, what would be so bad about the I'll fact die that you're having on a heart attack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll die. It is actually <laughs> yeah. bad. So, yeah. so you want to approach it in a bit of a different way. So the idea is to think about all of the times you've had a panic attack in your life. How many times? A hundred times I've had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in those hundred of times that you had a panic attack, 
or you had those panic-like physical sensations. How many times were you actually having a heart attack? Hmm. Well, none. Okay, so statistically speaking, the next time you have these physical sensations coming on, what's the likelihood that it's a heart attack? Well, at the very worst, the likelihood is one in 101. Hmm. So this is a very unlikely thing to happen. And so challenging the the overestimation mm-hmm. of threat or danger that you fear coming from the panic attack. Yeah, it's so helpful. It's so helpful to have the knowledge of what's going on. Just a sensitive smoke detector. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all that it is. And um, okay, so can we um, switch gears and talk a little bit about depression? Yeah. And, and I and I... I feel like when I was having my seven, eight or nine months, however long it was when I was having like anxiety and panic attacks and I was going through a lot, there were moments of deep depression. And I use those terms like I, I, I'm careful because sometimes people just throw out, oh, yeah, I'm depressed. It's like, well, are you actually? So like, how would we define depression? Because I feel like a lot of times we just kind of throw that word out and I'm guilty of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's... um. It happens a lot mm-hmm. with psychological terms, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody's uh, somebody tends to be overly clean or overly organized. Oh, you're being so OCD. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. oh, the the Canucks lost in the playoffs. I'm so depressed. It's <laughs> yeah. like get over. It. They will lose all the time. Between... So just get over it. What are <laughs> the statistics? A hundred percent. Exactly. It's just acceptance. Yeah, it's exactly. Just acceptance. That's a different problem. <laughs> Um, there's a difference between depression and sadness, mm-hmm. right? Sadness is a normal emotional state to loss and, and grief and things not going the way you wanted them to go. But depression is, is sort of a constellation of symptoms. So there is the sort of the sadness component. Uh, but there's also a loss of interest and pleasure in activities that a person enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like they have no motivation or drive to do hobbies, recreational activities, socializing, and even when they do those activities, it's almost like there's there's something missing. It's like they're just going through the motions and they feel kind of a, an emptiness uh, or a nothingness while they're doing it. Um, it can affect appetite. So per, people tend not to eat very much, don't tend not to have much of an appetite. They'll go all day and they haven't eaten anything, but they don't feel hungry. It affects sleep. So either they're sleeping too much or sleeping Uh, too little, not able to fall asleep, or they wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. It affects energy level. Mm. So uh, I get really easily fatigued with activities. Uh, You know, I just don't have very much energy. It feels like I'm, I'm, you know, walking through water all the time. Uh, It can affect sort of feelings about yourself, feelings of worthlessness, hopelessness, excessive, inappropriate guilt. It can affect cognitive functioning. This is one that people don't really understand or think about is that it can affect your ability to concentrate. It can affect your ability to remember things. It can affect your ability to make decisions and just process information. You might find that your thinking is just slower. It's like you're in a brain fog. And, uh, and another symptom of depression and sort of tends to happen with more severe forms of depression, but not necessarily, is to get thoughts about self-harm, thoughts about death, thoughts about suicide, and uh, and just, you know, it'd be better if I wasn't here. So it doesn't necessarily have to be active suicidal thoughts, but more passive thoughts mm. of just, I wish I was dead. Mm. So with depression, 
you don't have to have all of those symptoms, but you have to have some of those symptoms. And that's much different than just the Canucks lost and I feel sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huge difference. And, and would you say like, I mean, for me, I feel like I've felt many of those symptoms when I was in that state of burnout, uh, just didn't want to do anything. Didn't want to leave the house constantly weeping, not eating at all. I lost 50 pounds in like 10 months or something crazy. And it was like many of those things. And I just knew, okay, I'm not well, this is, this is not like me. Um, and then I was able to, with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, all that kind of stuff, able to get out of it. And I think it's important for our listeners to know, like, not to face these battles alone. Um, talking through it with a counselor changed my life um, dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, I yeah, I think one of the things with depression in particular is it's, it's, it's pretty nasty condition in that uh, the things that you're tempted to do and the things that the depression pushes you to do while you're in that depressed state are the things that are going to perpetuate the depression. Hmm. So, uh, you know, people often think about depression as, oh, well, the person's given up. They're not really trying. When in reality, what's happening is the person with depression is trying too hard. They're trying to push themselves too hard to live up to goals and expectations that they Mm -hmm. have of themselves, you know, before they were depressed. Mm -hmm. So if my energy drops because, you know, I'm having stressors in a relationship or I've had lost my job or, or I'm having difficulties at work and my energy and motivations drop down because of that, but I still expect myself to function at the same level, I'm not going to be able to achieve Mm -hmm. that those that level i'm not going to be able to succeed at those expectations mm-hmm. and when you fail to achieve an expectation or a goal of yourself that's going to sap energy and motivation mm-hmm. and so the trap depression will set for you is that you just need to try harder mm-hmm. you know pick yourself up by the bootstraps you know come on just do it mm-hmm. and so you try really hard now but your energy and motivation isn't at a level that you can achieve those goals and expectations. You can try as hard as you want. You're still not going to be able to achieve it. So now I'm trying really hard and I'm still failing. Hmm. And so my energy and motivation just drops even more until until I get to a point where I have no motivation, no energy, and I feel like a complete failure. And it's all because depression is telling you, you should be be trying harder. Hmm. You should be doing, you should be trying to do more things. You should be trying to get out of it this faster what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. and you and the person falls into the trap and listens to that depression gremlin totally and even like the other side effects of what could happen with depression like not sleeping or not eating properly okay well that happened to me and of course if i'm not sleeping cognitively i'm going to be foggy and i can't make any decision i can't put cutler down on the table because i just don't even know how i just have no capacity to do anything and it's a very deflating demotivating it's hard it's like what's wrong with me like just put the cutlery down on the table. Like I, I don't know how to do that. I can't, like I was just, my brain was just toast. Yeah. 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 And, and depressions, it's, it's, you can think of it as just a bunch of negative feedback loops hmm. um, where the symptoms of the depression actually feed in and make the depression worse. Yeah. And that's very different than when we think of other sort of uh, health conditions. Like if I have the flu, the symptom, the, the underlying cause of the flu is a, a viral infection. The symptoms of the flu, fever, achiness, runny nose, sneezing, coughing, that sort of thing, those are all my body's reaction to 
getting rid of the flu. Mm -hmm. It's not actually causing the flu virus to replicate more. Right. Whereas in depression, the symptoms of the depression, the lack of sleep just feed into the depression and make you feel even worse, yeah. even less energy. You have less energy. You're not doing things that may you know, motivate you. They may feel good about achieving, and that just makes you feel even more depressed. And so it's this series of negative feedback loops where the symptoms of the depression make the underlying depression all yeah. that worse. Okay, so um, I wonder, is there an aspect where, and this is probably hard to kind of navigate, where there's a spiritual aspect to some of these things? Because I felt like when I was in deep depression, um, it was very dark. And there was a sense of just a presence of darkness. And I can't, that might not be all the time. I'm not sure that might be a hard conversation to even navigate, but um, tell us your thoughts maybe on some of that. Because I know sometimes it's just an actual physical, you know, like thing, like chemically, I guess. But is there a spiritual side to it? Well, I think, I mean, hard to answer that question, yeah. but I think it's it can relate to that sense of disconnect that I was talking about earlier, that 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 sense of that loss of interest and pleasure in things that you used to get interest and pleasure from, mm -hmm. right? And so if you feel, if you have like a, a really strong or you feel like you have a really strong connection to God and you have a, you know, a, a very deep spiritual relationship with him, a, a deep spiritual life, in depression, what can happen is, just like that, it sucks the interest and motivation and energy out of everything. Mm. It can suck the interest and motivation and sense of connection out of your spiritual life as well. And so, you know, maybe you just don't feel like you have the energy to, you know, do some devotionals or to read your Bible or you don't even really want to go to church or mm. you're just, you're there, but you're just kind of going through the motions of being there. And then you beat yourself up over the fact that, yeah, I just went to the church service and I, I got nothing. I, I I didn't really engage in it at all. And, you know, am I just going through the motions and you just feel like a pew warmer and mm. then you're beating yourself up because, you know, I thought my, I thought my spiritual life was deeper than this. And you get into those negative spirals with depression. So I think in terms of how depression can affect your spiritual life, I think that's probably one of the ways uh, that it does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And and I think of like, even when I read through scriptures, um, you know, when Jesus is about to go to the cross and he starts sweating blood, I've heard someone say, okay, that's actually probably a sign of anxiety. Because a lot of people say anxiety is like, some people say anxiety is like a sin and like it's, you know, whatever. But you're saying, well, there's actually a healthy anxiety to protect us. Um and it seems like when Jesus is about to, you know, bear the sins of the world, um, he was feeling some emotions that were causing him to sweat blood. Well, of course he should be anxious. Yeah. He knew he knew it was coming. Like yeah. it would be, it there would be something wrong mm -hmm. if he wasn't anxious. Yeah. I, we will. One of my pet peeves is that we tend to live in a society that overpathologizes this emotion, mm. right? That if you're ever feeling anxious, you shouldn't feel anxious, yeah. right? There's something wrong with that. Or if you you should never feel sad, you should never feel angry. All emotions serve a purpose, mm -hmm. right? So anxiety, the purpose of anxiety is to uh, activate you to either 
you know, protect yourself or run away from danger or threat. The purpose of sadness is to uh, recognize loss and to then seek comfort from others. The purpose of anger is to recognize that there's someone or something that's doing something to harm you or someone you care about. And so it's designed to activate you to engage with, with that to make it stop. Mm -hmm. The purpose of guilt is for you to recognize that you've done something that may have hurt someone. And so to activate you to then engage in some behaviors to try and make it right. These emotions aren't bad. We label them as negative emotions, but the emotions in and of themselves are good mm. if they're in if they're appropriate to what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. It gets to be an anxiety disorder, it gets to be depression when the the emotional response is disproportionate to what's actually going on. So Jesus in the garden knowing and anticipating the torture and the awful death he was going to be facing, mm. of course he's going to feel anxious. He should feel anxious. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's huge. That's the human part of him mm -hmm. is feeling anxious. And I mean, the the whole idea of anxiety being a sin or it's just a sign that you just don't trust God enough. I, I think it's that's setting people up for completely unrealistic expectations of what it is to be human and what these emotions mm. actually mean. Totally, I agree. And I mean, I wonder, uh, even like the passage is saying, be anxious of nothing, but with thanksgiving and with prayer, make your petitions, your requests known to God, and the peace of God will, you know, um, be a part of everything. So I, I wonder, in that context, be anxious of nothing, it's specific to, hey, like, trust God. Don't worry about what tomorrow brings. Just focus on today. And I and I feel like people take anxiety. Anxiety is sinful. It's wrong. Be anxious for nothing. Um, but I'm learning there's a side where it actually can protect or help you in a, when it's in a healthy manner. Yeah, yeah. And I again, if 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 the expectation is I should never if if I if I believe in God, it means I should never feel anxious. You're just setting yourself for up for failure, yeah. right? And you're yeah. just setting yourself up for more anxiety yeah. and to be beating yourself up. And and I don't think that's what God intended. Mm, totally. I see that. And I feel like I've uh, had the opportunity to experience all that. And I'm grateful to God that when I was in the lowest of low with anxiety, depression, panic attacks, all that kind of stuff, I'm grateful that I did lose interest in all hobbies except... Uh, I, I just stuck close to God and I think that really helped me. And so for people who are listening or watching, um, just clinging close, abiding in him, staying in him, um, that, uh, that was a huge gift to me. And I know a lot of people who gave that up too. They just lost interest in everything. And so um, I know I'm grateful for um, just his mercy and grace on me. Um, what would you, so now that we're understanding, okay, anxiety is not a bad thing and you know, all the sadness is not bad and all these things are not bad. It's just, you know, how sensitive the smoke detector is that kind of gets things all, you know, uh, mixed up. Uh, what are some uh, encouraging words? I know there's a lot of people who are watching and a lot of young people who are watching who are going through anxiety and panic attacks and depression and all sorts of things. Uh, what are some words of encouragement to our young listeners who are in the midst of some of these things? Well, I, I mean, all of these things are treatable. Mm -hmm. Right, all of these conditions, anxiety, depression are actually very treatable. Um, where you know, in terms of cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, has very high success rates. And uh, the thing is that we do 
to we don't have direct control over how we feel, right? If we did, we would just choose to feel happy all the time, right? So if if I could just choose to not feel anxious, I would choose to not feel anxious. So we don't have control over how we feel, but we do to some extent have control over what we do. Hmm. And we do to some extent have control over how we think. And so uh, the idea is that, yeah, I have control over what I do. So if I'm feeling really depressed and uh, I don't want to socialize with my friends, uh, that's probably the depression that's talking to you. And when you're in depression and when you're in anxiety, I always like to um, use the metaphor of it's kind of like you got a depression gremlin on your shoulder, you got an anxiety gremlin on your shoulder, and they'll tell you the things that you ought to be doing to actually feel more depressed or more anxious. So the idea is to take whatever that voice is telling you to do and and generally just to do the opposite of it. Mm. So if the depression voice is telling you, don't bother returning that text message, your friend doesn't like you, you return the text message. Uh, what's the point of going out? You're not going to enjoy yourself. Go out. Mm. You might enjoy yourself. You might not. It's better, though, to go out and not enjoy yourself than to stay at home yeah. and to think that, you know, look at me, I'm not even going out anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, these behavioral, the, the behavioral stuff of just essentially going through the motions of it, eventually the the feelings will come back. The, the enjoyment and the reward will come back. But sometimes you just have to go through the motions to ensure that you're not going further back. You're not slipping into even deeper depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, the metaphor I use is that it's kind of like those walkways at airports, like those rolling walkways, and you're walking in the opposite direction. Uh, you may be walking and you're not getting anywhere, but if you stop walking, what mm-hmm. happens? You actually go backwards. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling like you're not getting anywhere, just keep walking mm-hmm. because uh, eventually things will get moving forward. But if you stop walking, that's when things go back. So um, just try and do little things to get back to what you used to be, what you used to enjoy doing. Mm. Even if you don't enjoy it, just essentially forget about the enjoyment aspect of it and just go through the motions of doing it. Eventually the enjoyment will return. Yeah, that's huge. And I found I had to do that too. I remember sitting in church and someone came up to me, oh, how's it going? I'm like, ah, really not good. And this is right before all the burnout happened. Oh, you should go do like, you know, work on the car, do some of those fun things you like. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to sit in a ball and cry. And I told her that. And she was like, well, that doesn't sound good. And that's what happened. I just stopped doing all the things I enjoyed and was just down and out. And, And you're right. I had to force myself to go for a walk with my community group leader or I had to force myself to get, I didn't want to do anything. But but when I did it, you're right, it alleviated. And I'm like, okay, like, it's better than sitting in my bed in the dark, in a dark room, and just listening to those voices, you know, getting me yeah. into a deeper and deeper state. Yeah. 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 The, the less active you are, the more time you have to just reflect on how inactive you are and what a loser and what a failure you are because you're not doing anything. Yeah. And physical exercise is huge. Getting out, going for walks, jogs, biking. Like I feel like that was a game changer for me or being in nature, uh, hearing the birds. I feel like I heard the birds for the first time. Um, And it just, it just, uh, that all, so many things can help. Um, yeah. And of course, cognitive behavior therapy was like, a, I think the percentage is like a 90 
something percent success rate for specifically anxiety, panic attacks, all that kind of stuff. Like CBT is, yeah. is huge. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, I really, really appreciate your time, man. And um, I'm so grateful. I feel like I just got a free counseling session. So I'm like, I'm ready <laughs> to go out into the world, man. And uh, I do appreciate it. And I know our listeners uh, will be very, very blessed. And we'll make sure we resource people to uh, your YouTube videos because they've been so helpful. And um, we just uh, thank you for your time and all the best to you and all that you're doing for uh, the people that you're working with. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Andrew. It's, it was uh, it was really fun. Thank you for uh, thank you for talking to me. Okay, wow, that was a that was just such good information. Do you need tissues? Uh, you just uh, had you a know, counseling session. I honestly, <laughs> I feel like I need to send them money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, if you can just send us your billing address. Um, <laughs> you just get a you just get an invoice. In yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But he's gonna send oh. me an invoice for sure. That oh. was uh, none of that was free. Five hundred um, bucks? What? <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Worth, worth it, it yeah. for you. We care about you. It's a good investment. But um, honestly, that was just uh, so insightful. And I feel like for me, and if you're watching and you're going through things that are uh, similar to what we talked about with anxiety, depression, or panic attacks, um, maybe you didn't have language to it before. Maybe you're understanding for the first time, oh, yeah, okay, that's what it is. And I feel like for me, um, it just like opened my eyes to the reality of like, oh, okay, I get it. Before I didn't get it, I was feeling things and I was just panicked about it. And it just like I spiraled so quickly. But then uh, you hear the reasons behind it and and how we're wired and you realize that you're not alone and that there's millions of people Mm. going through the exact same thing. Like I kept feeling like he's reading my journal. It's like, no, actually millions of people feel the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, just eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. And I liked what yeah. you said uh, just before this about how your heroes in the Bible went yes. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, uh, I'll tell you some of my story. I know I've, I've kind of said it in passing through, a, you know, different shows. But, you know, I struggled with clinical burnout uh, last year and just kind of hit a really, really low point. And even when I was asking uh, Dr. Ramy about depression, I was like, I can literally check every single one of those boxes. Mm. Uh, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I lost 50 pounds in like nine months. Um, and uh, didn't want to go out. Didn't want to see any friends. Didn't want to work on the car, which is like my hobby. So all my hobbies, passions, I just didn't mm. want to do anything. I just like sat in my room in the dark in fetal position and cried honestly almost every day. Mm. And um, And I just like how he said even like, you know, when you hear that voice telling you, yeah, don't go out with your friends. You probably mm-hmm. should just do the opposite mm-hmm. um, yeah. and just force yourself to get out with you. And mm-hmm. every time I did do that and go for a walk with a buddy or whatever, obviously I felt significantly better than if I just mm-hmm. sat in my room yeah. and did nothing. But I remember meeting with Dr. John Newfeld from Back to the Bible because we we're very good friends. And um, uh, this is before even coming here, obviously. It was in the middle of last year. And I just told him, like, man, I, I honestly have heard maybe two times, and I'm being very vulnerable right now, but I heard two times in my head uh, during this time that like, you know, I just could feel the enemy saying, you know what, you're a burden to your family. You're just, uh, it's just hard for your kids and your wife and whatever. It would just be easier for them if you were gone. And there was like a couple times where I literally started in my head making plans and I've never been through this before. Mm. But it was so dark and so evil and just so terrible and I'm like making plans in my head. And I told my wife right away. And if you're listening and you've been through that, you need to tell someone right away. Get mm-hmm. it out in the light right away. Don't keep that in the darkness because yeah. that's terrible. And so I also wanted to tell Dr. John. And so we went for coffee and I just said, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And he didn't say anything. He looked at me 
opened his Bible. We were at a coffee shop, opened to Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, just kind of slid it over, and he said, read verse 8 out loud. And, um, you know, it just said, you know, Paul, he's shipwrecked, he's in all this stuff, turmoil, he's just going through hardship, Asia Minor, all these different things. And he basically says, man, to the point where he wanted to die. And so John just looked at me, he didn't say anything, and just said, you know, you're in good company. But the thing is, we need to cling close to Christ. Mm. So just don't let go of Christ. Know that others have felt this, uh, but mm-hmm. don't let go of Christ. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for my specific season of burnout. Um, that held true, and that was just the grace mm-hmm. of God, where I was able to just stay mm-hmm. close and draw near, and he had my attention. I had nowhere to look but up, and um, God uh, was so close. Mm-hmm. And and even though that was the hardest season of my life, I wouldn't change it for the world because mm-hmm. just the intimacy that I felt with the Lord, um, my my spirit was just renewed, mm-hmm. and it was through the hardship. Mm-hmm. But but I do feel like when I was in those moments of um, that deep deep depression and just horrible thoughts, um, there seemed like there was a spiritual element mm-hmm. in the room. Yeah, I felt, and even yeah. my wife felt it. Mm. And I and I know. Um, you know, it's hard to distinguish between, you know, chemical imbalances mm-hmm. and what's going on. And I get yeah. that, you know, because ever since Genesis 3, everything kind of is a little wonky. And I get it. It's hard to, to discern that. But for me personally, we felt, especially in that moment where it was just so dark, my wife and I both felt like just this really demonic, mm. evil presence in our room. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. he did his job. Like he he specialized yes, totally. in the psychology. I think totally. he, did, he was careful to yeah. Yeah. impose it because if you... It's, it's I, just a, it, it can be a slippery slope if it's totally. not because it's like a case by case basis. And 100%. I think I believe yeah. I, I 100% believe you Yeah. Uh, when you say there was a spiritual yeah. element. Yeah. Um, I have some friends that like are really good at like discerning that kind of stuff. And they like they will enter a room and they they just feel like something's yeah. off. And then or they yeah. um, and they've just had like crazy moments where they found out after the fact, hey, this person is actually going through this. And it's like, whoa, that's yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a that's also, a, I love John. John Newfield. Dude, he he's always got the he's always got that that handy verse just Yeah, he's so like honestly, yeah. we're gonna I think uh when we start uh another season later, I think this fall, mm-hmm. we're gonna have a specific segment with him, mm-hmm. uh Dr. John on demand. And uh we're gonna be able I think it's really Dude, important because you should get like a phone. We are gonna get a phone like a telephone like yeah. Yeah. John on demand. We are gonna do that. We're looking for a road. If you are watching and you wanna donate one of your just go phones to like a to vintage us, store in Fort Langley or yeah. something like that. We'll uh, get a little yeah. rotary phone. We'll have his own, his own. That's so funny. Have his own theme music. Kind of oh have his head goodness. spinning like Batman or something. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's gonna be fantastic. But you I know, there's that. just lots of he has lots of wisdom and insight. Yeah. And I know that we can. And I even for me personally, God led me to him. Call Doctor John. Go for coffee. Tell mm. him what you're feeling. Mm. And it's like he had no idea what I was feeling. I didn't pre warn him, mm. but he was ready mm. to give me an answer from the word. Mm. And. Uh, um, that's important for us. Mm-hmm. We need to be ready, and we yeah, need to have the word in us so that we know when Saturated friends go through. Yeah, when lines, friends yeah. go through hardship. And something that's really interesting for me, when I was going through that really, really hard time, and I was trying to fight the enemy and these lies, I remember specifically, and I hope this helps someone because I know it helped me. I tried to memorize a scripture, mm-hmm. and so I memorized Psalm ninety-one: "Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty." And um, I memorized the whole chapter and I use that as my weapon. You know, you Mm. think of the Mount of Temptation. You think of Satan trying to take scriptures out of context to tempt Jesus, but then Jesus responds every time with scripture. Uh, So that's the weapon. And so, okay, I'm going to memorize Psalm 91. So whenever I'm going through hardship, 
I'm going to take out my weapon and fight. And, um, you know, every time a, a panic attack or anxiety would come, um, I would start breathing heavily and start to get really panicked. And I would read the scripture out loud so fast that I wasn't even thinking. Whoever does in the shelter, <laughs> will, I will rest in the shelter. I will say the yeah. Lord is my refuge, my fortune, my fortune. And I just would go, 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 yeah. go. And um, uh, we talked about this in a few weeks with actually uh, Sean yeah. in Halifax about just the idea of slowing down first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like yeah. being mindful because when you're in an anxious moment or a depressed moment or having a panic attack, your brain is foggy and you just, you mm. just need can't to make slow. rational decisions. You can't, you can't. Yeah, yeah, and so, incapable. and so again, knowledge is power and understanding the body, understanding how we function and how we operate, uh, will really help us in moments like this where there are high anxiety moments or mm-hmm. panic attacks. Have you guys ever had a panic attack? No. Never? No, Never. no. Yeah. can't say that yeah. I have. Yeah. Praise God. Blessed. Yeah. Praise God. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first one I had was in like 2017 and it was December and it was like right before uh, we had our first child. Mm. And everyone was always telling us, oh, your kid having kids, it's going to be a terrible time. Oh, it's going to be so hard. You're never going to sleep. It's just like negative, 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 <laughs> negative, negative. I remember that episode. <laughs> yeah. Christian people. Yeah. We shared this with Bonnie yeah. and uh, Brian Pugh. Yeah. And anyways, it literally caused a panic because I'm like, oh no, like my life is over. Yeah. Like, what's people going don't on? understand what they're saying and the impacts it has. It had a huge impact. So I'm yeah. driving. And again, it was a sensation first. I was like lightheaded and tired, whatever. Yeah. And then I wondered, oh no. Uh oh, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then I pulled over at a gas station, and then I just like I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I can't breathe. Like, it was just like I had no idea what was going on. Nine one one, ambulance, hospital, emergency. Oh I thought goodness. I was actually dying. Wow. And then after like a bunch of tests, all these different things, the doctor just comes and says, "Hey, you're just you need to go home and rest." Mm. And um, it was just eye opening for me. And then ever since then, once you get it, then you are aware and you know, okay, this is. Not a heart attack, or it's interesting you mentioned that because I guess when everyone's heart's racing, they automatically That's assume, your first, yeah. "Oh no, I'm having a heart attack." Mm. Um, but uh, just very insightful to have the knowledge and the understanding of what's happening, how the body works, and and I'm praying it helps you. I know these conversations um, help me a lot, and he has a lot of YouTube videos on tons of different mm. things like ADHD, mm. depression anxiety, panic attacks, like all kinds of things. He has like detailed like 10, 15 minute videos uh, where he just explains what it is. Mm. It's not a substitute for counseling. It's just giving you some information so you're just a little more aware of what's happening mm-hmm. uh, during those times. And um, we hope it we hope it blessed you. I know yeah. it helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Cool beans. Uh, Hey, um, I have nothing else more to say, but uh, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Please like, subscribe, follow, do all those things. It really helps with the algorithms. And um, we appreciate your support as we continue to bring up topics that are important for young people. And hopefully uh, we help you with a biblical perspective of all that as well. But uh, that's it from us. Um, Have a great week. And we'll see you next Monday.